Hi guys, it's Morgan Lee. Welcome back to That's So Middlebury, the podcast where we dive into Middlebury students' careers, interests, and jobs. Um, I have the pleasure of being accompanied by Dylan Taylor today. Um, How are you, Dylan? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, So tell us a little bit about yourself, your major, your year, how your year has been going. Yeah, so I guess the short version is I'm a senior at Middlebury. I have one year left. I'm majoring in economics. And as some of you know, I'm going to Goldman Sachs after graduating. I guess a little bit of backstory about myself is I came into Middlebury thinking I was going to be a natural sciences major. And then I kind of got screwed over by the course structure tracing system. I did not get an environmental science class. I did get a business class. One domino kind of led to another and I'm working business. Year has been going pretty well so far, just kind of wrapping up my J term, been doing a little bit of skiing, uh, seeing some friends that are about to graduate is all a little bit bittersweet and of course knocking things off my college bucket list like being on a podcast being on a podcast perfect well i'm happy i can help with that bucket list um so what have you been doing j term what's your you taking any classes anything like that yeah so i'm taking this awesome class is called climate and crypto with professor craig wilson we essentially dive into climate change and then how crypto and web three could be part of the solution to climate change strongly recommend that i think he teaches it every j term Outside of that, I'm also TAing a course called Beyond Gretton Woods with Professor Frank Van Gensbeek. It essentially reviews of Gretton Woods institutions like the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, and his shortcomings. Um, somehow, I started working at an AI startup overseas, so that's been taking a few hours out of my week. And I'm also doing some other things like running the Student Investment Committee. Uh, yeah, so it's been a nice, busy, fun J term. I've also gotten out to Killington, Pico, and Sugarbush. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Tell us a little bit about the startup you were talking about. Yeah, so it's unfortunately a stealth startup, so it's staying a little bit under the radar until it gets itself together. Okay. But it's focused on Web3 AI security, and mm-hmm. it's based out in the Middle East, so it's been a fun broadening of the horizons for me. Oh, that's amazing. I'm glad you kept yourself busy during J-Term and you're still getting like skiing in and everything like that. So, um, and I'm glad that your J-Term kind of encompasses science as well, because that mm-hmm. was what you originally wanted to do. Yeah, it's full circle. Do you think you kind of made the right choice going in the econ direction? Yeah, I think so. It was kind of a choice that was made for me, but one of the reasons I came to Middlebury is I wanted to understand climate change and the driving factors behind it. And in hindsight, I thought natural science was a way to do that. You go into academia, you learn all these systems of the world, how they interact and how we could manipulate them to make climate change less of an issue. But I've come to realize it's fundamentally an economics problem. It's a mass coordination problem that requires a mass coordination solution. And I feel like economics has given me the, t- the skill set that I need to help address climate change from a business and financial perspective. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any regrets, but I'm also conscious that if I did end up majoring in natural science, I'm sure I would be saying like the exact same thing right now, that natural science was the right choice. So you take what life gives you. Awesome. Do you think you're kind of going to go into that direction in terms of in Goldman kind of working on the climate 
like way i guess goldman doesn't necessarily focus on climate but maybe in the future yeah i'm really really lucky that i got into the sustainable banking group at goldman so what we do is we are project finance experts so if a solar farm out in texas needs financing goldman is the institution that gets it for them Uh, beyond that i've also been involved in a lot of other cool esg projects at goldman so i'm thinking that could be a long-term career but there's other paths out there. There's like infrastructure, private equity. There's things like working at the World Bank or, of course, entrepreneurship. So all of those things are very much on my radar. But I'm very fortunate to have like a mission-driven job is my first place out of college. Oh, great. And do you think that's kind of what drove you towards going to Goldman specifically? Did you have like other companies that also did the same thing and you chose Goldman? Or what was your kind of line of thinking there? Honestly... I was uh, I was kind of bumbling in my sophomore year. I came back to Middlebury. I didn't really have an understanding of what career paths were in front of me. I vaguely knew what consulting was. I vaguely knew what investment banking was. I had a few seniors at Middlebury that pulled me aside and they said, hey, you should start networking for this internship. We think you could be a particularly good fit. So I spent about a solid month networking for investment banking without understanding the first thing about it. Then I gradually learned that, oh, this is about helping companies or institutions get capital that they might not otherwise need to get. And that is very related to climate change. There's a lot of ideas out there that have a tremendous amount of potential, but they might not have the capital necessary to unlock it. So I fortunately got connected with the head of the sustainable banking group at Goldman. We had a phenomenal conversation about capitalism, how it can be both the cause and the solution to this issue that we're facing. I came out of that conversation kind of like galvanized. I was very, very passionate about getting into this particular group after it. So the alumni network helped me get two final round interviews at Goldman Sachs. They got me two offers. One was for the classic or coverage side in Cross Marcus Group. The other was for the financing side in uh, sustainable finance, and I took the latter. Oh, awesome. And you kind of mentioned a little bit about getting in touch with these like groups of people within Goldman. How did you get in touch with them? I know like LinkedIn's always a great place, but mm-hmm. how did you do it? Yeah, I think one phenomenal thing about Middlebury is we have a super strong alumni network, For especially sure. at Goldman. So the way that I got connected is I started by talking with the juniors and seniors that are currently on campus and they have internships or full-time positions lined up. I kind of learned how to navigate the conversation, what the job was all about. Then they connected me with some of the analysts or the people that are in their first or second year out of college currently working at Goldman Sachs. I learned a bit more about the job, what it actually entails, and then they in turn got me connected with the higher-ups that we have at Goldman. A fun fact is the president of Goldman Sachs is a Middlebury alum, as is the former head of part of the investment banking division, so our group's drawn very deep. And it's just reaching out proactively, having those conversations and seeing where they took me. That's how I was able to make some inroads with the alumni network. Oh, awesome. And um, in terms of, you kind of talked a little bit about like um, first and second round interviews. How was that actual process of interviewing Like, how did it go for you? It was painful. I'm not going to lie. So the end result was very, very positive. But I remember I was interviewing for a lot of different banks. And there are several components of the interviews. One is called a higher view. 
for those of you who don't know, is like this asynchronous online interviewing platform where a question pops up on the screen. You have like 30 seconds to prepare and 90 seconds to respond. I completely bombed my first one for JP Morgan. I did not hear back from them. But then when Goldman came along two months later, I had practiced my interview responses on Zoom. I felt a lot more confident. So I was able to get past that first stage. And then there's the final round interview, which is called a super day. And for Goldman, that was three 20 minute back to back interviews where they asked me a lot of behavioral questions like, hey, tell me about a time that you applied analytical thinking to a project or hypothetically, you get an email that contains confidential information that you're not supposed to see. What do you do? And technical questions like what have you observed in the markets lately? What is the Federal Reserve doing and how is that impacting the macroeconomy, etc.? So it was a little bit difficult preparing for all of those interviews. It took out a solid chunk of my <laughs> sophomore year, I would say, but I, the end result made it all worth it. Oh, awesome. And how did you kind of become confident? I, I mean, I've been through these higher views and they're probably more nerve wracking than the actual Zoom interviews itself. <laughs> they are. How did you kind of get more comfortable with doing higher views and even just like Zoom interviews and stuff? I think it just takes a lot of reps and an acceptance that at some point you are going to fail. Like there are a lot of questions that I just was not able to answer in my JP Morgan or Bank of America interviews. And at first I was flustered because, you know, I thought I had to be perfect. I thought I needed to have all the answers. And then I realized sometimes what the interviewer is looking for is a conversation where mm -hmm. you kind of piece things together in real time with their guidance. So as I started picking up more and more information from my studies, and as I started learning more and more from my failures, I kind of went into it with an understanding that I have enough information to succeed in this interview. And if something does go wrong, I now have the reps necessary to learn how to correct it without just going belly up. That's a good way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. um, and like, how did you, did you, um, how did you kind of work your way up to getting this like full-time job? Did you take, did you do internships? Did you do like programs? Yeah, thinking back to who I was in my freshman year, I was sleeping for nine hours a night. I was not involved in any clubs in my first semester. It was COVID, so it was all a little bit weird, but what I'm trying to get across is I was very, very lazy, and I did not know anything about the world. I feel like that's a common common thing in freshman year of college. It so. is, it is. And what got me out of that is I started looking for internships that I was in no way qualified for, I got an internship that I was in no way qualified for. <laughs> I worked at um, a venture capital firm in my freshman year, and it was very much a soft skill focused internship where there was both one-on-one -on -one and group mentoring. And my mentor essentially told me, hey, to succeed in business, these are the things that you need to keep in mind. And then I was able to apply it consulting for one of our portfolio companies at the VC firm. So I left that firm with an understanding that okay to get ahead you need to do some networking you need to understand the different career paths that lay ahead of you so at the start of my sophomore year again i still don't know much but when the um seniors tell me you should start networking for investment banking i knew vaguely what that meant and i was able to mm -hmm. start doing it then it was just this five or six month process of learning as much as i possibly could i took the accounting class that we have at middlebury 
I signed up for some online programs through the Corporate Finance Institute so I could learn how to model. I bought myself subscriptions to Bloomberg and the Financial Times and each morning I would go to the 24-hour cafe. I would read three or four articles. I would write synopses of them. And over time, I got to see connections in the markets emerge. I learned how to interview. I learned how to get my resume together, etc. So when April of my sophomore year rolled around, I was fully ready for the final round interview. Thankfully, I got the offers from Goldman. And then in my junior year, I spent a lot of time understanding how to succeed in the internship. I spent like 100 hours learning how to use Excel without a mouse, which in hindsight, not the best investment of my time in junior year. Kind of wish I could have without that Without a mouse? Without like, a mouse. Yeah, like all, all the shortcuts. I, I was using a Mac computer and I had to oh, buy wow. myself like a Microsoft computer. Oh, Don't do that. <laughs> I did it. Thankfully, it worked out for the better. And then what I'm doing in my senior year is I know I have the full-time job wrapped up, so I'm trying to understand how to live like an actual person. Like, for example, how you cook food. That's a big one that I'm trying to learn. Um, That's really helpful in the future. It is. It is. How to live with other people. I'm looking for an apartment with three other investment bankers. So yeah, it's been, Middlebury has been a journey. It really has. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad that it's packed and a lot of people don't even have like any of these experiences before their sophomore year. So great job. Congratulations. Um, what were some like challenges throughout this process? I know going to, into IB is extremely stressful. Hearing your stories already, I'm stressed out. Um, but what were some challenges that you kind of saw? Yeah, I'll get a little bit vulnerable here. So in November, December, and January, when I was recruiting for investment banking, I started talking with some of the alumni at the firm. And usually this happens through Zoom calls. So I'm deaf in both ears. And at that time, I didn't have any technology that allowed the audio to go directly to my hearing devices. So what I was doing is I was cranking up the volume on my laptop speakers and I was leaning in to hear as much as I could. And those conversations required a tremendous amount of focus. I left each one like almost physically exhausted from how much focus it took. And then when you add in that I must have talked with at least 100, maybe 150 people over the course of these three, four, five, six months when I was interviewing, that was, it was a tremendous challenge. It came with a lot of stress and there were times that I wanted to give up. But in hindsight, I'm really glad that I worked through that. And since then, I found um, a new technology that allows the audio to stream directly into my hearing things. It oh, literally feels like it's coming from the center of my brain. Oh, so wow. that's been resolved, but I'm glad that I went through the challenge. Oh, that's amazing. Awesome. Um, kind of going back to like Goldman itself, um, going through like an internship and like finally having um, a job here, do you feel like Goldman has like a work culture and something that you enjoy out of like this company? Yeah. And I asked a question similar to this during the summer to a vice president at Goldman. And he came over from another investment bank called Credit Suisse, which has since collapsed. And he said, uh, Dylan, it was 2021. I kind of reached a dead end at Credit Suisse and I wanted to go somewhere else. And Goldman was so intimidating because I figured that everyone there was an asshole just given their <laughs> reputation. But I thought if I can deal with the assholes at Credit Suisse, mm. I can deal with them at Goldman Sachs. And then he said, 
you know, I got there and I was taken aback by how nice everyone is, how willing they are to talk with you, how willing they are to extend mentorship. That was my experience this summer. I had over 70 one-on-one conversations with other people at the bank, ranging from other interns to senior, senior partners, like the people who are running the ship. It is a very accessible culture and is completely antithetical to what my perception of Goldman was in like September of 2021. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. And do you, th- do you think that there's like specific aspects in Goldman that make it different than like Morgan Stanley or like any of these other big companies that people might be choosing? I got to be careful here because <laughs> I'm going to be living with another person at Morgan Stanley and at JP Morgan. So Ooh. I don't want to start any roommate conflict. <laughs> however, however, um, I think Goldman really has a culture of excellence and also what we call a catch-up culture so anytime you want to talk with someone else kind of regardless of what their role is or where they sit within the bank you just reach out to them over email there's a 95 percent chance they'll agree to a one-on-one conversation so i think goldman is more collaborative it's more accessible than some of the other investment banks and it's, I don't know if this is necessarily unique to Goldman, but it's something that I appreciated about it nonetheless. Everyone that you are surrounded with by, they are continually pushing themselves to be the best possible versions, to have the strongest deliverables, to put together the most creative solutions for their clients. And I'm a strong proponent that the people you surround yourself with is one of the most important decisions that you can make sure. in your life. And I feel like I found really strong, empathetic, high-achieving people at Goldman. Oh, awesome. That's amazing to hear. And I and I know that like a lot of people, a lot of my friends are like preparing for their investment banking. One of my friends actually just came back from one and uh, for Morgan Stanley, an interview. Mm-hmm. And it's really daunting. And you talked about these like one-on-one conversations. Do you have any advice for having these conversations once you secure like a Zoom with them or something? Yeah. First things first it is terrifying and there is a learning curve i remember when i went down for the fall finance trip in october which for those of you who don't know is this trip is sponsored by the center for careers and internships and the student investment committee they take like 80 students down to tour investment banks over fall break in october i remember 6 a.m on the day that we're touring the banks I'm um, I'm on a Zoom call with my dad. It's 3 a.m. California time for him, and he's teaching me how to tie a tie. Oh. He's teaching me like how to put the suit on because oh, it's my amazing. first time ever wearing a suit. So there is a learning curve, and that's especially true for networking. So this is why I always recommend that if you're interested in a career, you reach out to the junior or senior on campus that's going into that career because mm-hmm. they not only teach you about their job, but also how to navigate a conversation. Now, when you're talking with alumni, you need to understand that their time is valuable, especially if you're talking with someone in investment banking who's working 70, 80, 90, yeah. up, up, up hours a week. So I always recommend a few things. First, know precisely how you want the other person to help you if you come into a conversation with me or someone at goldman you should be able to say this is where i am in the recruiting process these are the questions that i have and this is how i would like you to help me the second is you need to have very strong questions prepared and a good question has a few components the first is it needs to be something that you genuinely want to know just not something that you only think will look good. 
And the second is it needs to be unique to the other person. The third is it needs to be something that you can't Google. And the last tip I would give, it's kind of cookie cutter, but you'd be surprised how many people don't do this. Smile and be enthusiastic in the conversation. Like when I'm talking to you about structured finance, which I know is boring to some people. It's probably not interesting to listen to. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you for saying that. Not enough people say that to my face, but regardless, act enthusiastic, seem like you're interested in the job, that will take you much further than you might initially think. And I know that referrals are, I don't know, um, I'm more going consulting wise, which we can talk about later as well, um, because I know you were president of MCG for a little. What do referrals kind of look like in IB? Yeah, so that is a very good question. It kind of depends on whether there's a strong alumni presence at the investment banks. At a place like Goldman, um, when you talk to all of the alums and you're kind of on their radar, they can give you help during the interview process. I don't really know what it looks like behind the curtain, like if we can directly refer people or if we have a specific pipeline that's supported by HR. But I know that we can at least help you get ready for the interviews and we can maybe put a good word in. At other banks, especially boutiques that are smaller, if you have a really good relationship with one or two people there and they directly refer your resume to HR, that can be what you need to get an interview and in turn get the offer. One other thing I would say there is once you're in the interview, there's not all that much that anyone can do to help you. Regardless of how well networked you are, or how well the alumni network likes you. It all comes down to how you execute in the interview itself. That is what determines whether you receive the offer. All the referrals, all the alumni help, that's just for getting the interview. Okay, okay, amazing. And you talked a little bit about like boutiques. Is there a big, do you think there's a big difference between boutiques and these bigger companies that people want? Absolutely. Boutiques are usually a little bit more technical where you will get more deal experience right off the bat. And consequently, the technical portion of the interview is much more difficult. With bulge brackets, they are much larger. So I like to think there's more diversity, more access to mentorship, but you don't get that same immediate technical financial exposure that you might get at a boutique bank. The best way to tease out which way you want to go is just to talk to people. We have people at Middlebury like me who are going to bulge bracket banks. We have a lot who are going to boutique banks like Molis or Evercore, Lazard, etc. Okay, amazing. And um, as I mentioned a little bit ago, um, you were president of MCG for a little bit, Middlebury Consulting Group, um, and there is some overlap in terms of consulting and investment banking. Do you think kind of working with MCG and doing investment banking, do you think it's benefited you, not benefited you? What do you think? Absolutely. Running MCG was my favorite experience at Middlebury. I was able to do it for pre semesters. We worked on 23 projects with businesses in the town of Middlebury with alumni founded startups. And that was something that was deeply personally meaningful. And I think it was also critical for 
developing some of my soft skills because thinking back to who I was in sophomore year when I became the Coke resident, I was a little bit of a jackass. <laughs> I didn't know how to defer tasks. I didn't really know how to trust the leadership team that was one, one rung below me. I didn't know how to communicate that well. Okay. MCG was a bit of trial by fire for me where it shined a mirror. It was a mirror to my weaknesses. It showed me what I needed to improve and I was able to improve upon them. I think being in investment banking and running MCG maybe wasn't the best for the club because I was a little bit limited in my understanding of the consulting recruiting process or how we put some of these educational consulting materials together. And that's why I'm really excited that Kareth Griffiths and Ciro Diaz, who are two juniors that are going to consulting firms, are now leading the club and has much more of a consulting focus than it did with me. And also the seven previous co-presidents who all went to Goldman Sachs as well, which I found a little bit ironic. But yeah, I loved running on CG. Oh, amazing. I'm so glad. Well, you did a great job. Thank, Thank you. you so much for my first semester being in MCG. It was amazing. Um, how are you kind of preparing from being at college and like to kind of transitioning to this like full-time job? Um, where are you located for Goldman? New York City. So yeah, how are you going to go from little tiny Middlebury to New York City. Oh, Morgan, I'm terrified. <laughs> so the way that I've been approaching that is kind of to put it off for as long as I can. Okay. I have this trip. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. I'm going mountain climbing in Bolivia in June, and then oh, it's going amazing. to be a very harsh transition to New York City in July. But in terms of more serious answers, um, I'm trying to get myself together before I move to New York City. So part of that is learning how to find an apartment, where I'm going to buy furniture, how I'm going to meal plan, how I'm going to exercise, etc. Just trying to remove as much uncertainty as I can. So when I actually get to New York City, I'm able to enjoy it. I'm able to go through training at Goldman with that singular focus. I would also say I'm just really trying to enjoy my last semester at Middlebury. People told me my freshman year that, hey, your four years here are going to go by so fast. And I remember September of 2020 looking at them and thinking, no way, no way, yeah. given what I've experienced so far. But um, as time is dwindling down, I'm starting to see the true value and uniqueness of the college experience. So it's like I was able to join a few friends and a professor for trivia last night. We had an SIC social event on Wednesday that I got out to suggest enjoying those experiences, cherishing them, and then I'll deal with New York City when, when I get comes, to it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, do you have any kind of like skills or um, aspects that you kind of want to build before you start your new role or bucket list items, you know? Absolutely. So I think in terms of skills, I won't bore you with all the technical skills of investment banking, but... Hey, you already got the Excel skills down. So. Already got the Excel skills, and I got to move on to PowerPoint and all that jazz. Um, in terms of soft skills, I want to develop a little bit more as a leader. I think, obviously, I can always improve. I'm running the Student Investment Committee this upcoming semester. Hopefully, I'll learn a little bit more about investing and get a little bit more leadership experience under my belt before I transition back into this role of being a subordinate when I'm at Goldman. 
I also want to get a little bit better at skiing. That's something I'm just <laughs> going to toss in because right now, I know I'm using this word a lot, but I ski like a jackass. <laughs> I kind of stick to the blue and black groom drums and don't do anything else. I think that's something that needs to change. Um, there's also just items in my personal life that I'd like to improve on. I want to learn different ways to get in shape, like weightlifting versus cardio, maybe by Peloton, I don't know. <laughs> uh, cooking, that's another one that I mentioned. And beyond that, I don't know, I'm just going to enjoy the next four months. Soon enough, it'll be over and I'll be in New York City. Oh my God, amazing. And like in terms of your internship, do you think like what excites you most about transitioning from the internship to the full-time employment? Oh, I am so excited to have my personal intern. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's going to be so much fun. No, but that's something that would happen in my second year. In my first year, I'm really excited to just continue because the internship was so strange that for eight weeks during the summer, Goldman and the projects that I was working on was my number one focus. It was like the only thing in my life. Then one day I just kind of left and there's so many deals that were ongoing Mm -hmm. when I left that I was never able to see complete. So I'm excited to work on a deal from start to finish. I'm excited to keep building my knowledge. Oh, I also left. um, So with Goldman, you're not allowed to send any notes to your personal email address. Everything needs to stay within the firm. Oh, interesting. So every note, every personal reflection that I wrote is stored somewhere in the cloud of Goldman Sachs. I forgot where I put it. So I'm looking forward to looking for that as well. Finding it? Yeah, it's somewhere. It's somewhere there. I don't know where, but it's somewhere. That'll be like a little present when you get back there. Yeah. Amazing. Um, And what are some like long-term career goals you kind of see yourself going down and in in Goldman or kind of in the future in general? That's a golden question. I talked to a partner at Goldman in July and he told me there are people who come to this bank who think they're going to work here for 30 years. They end up working for two. There's people who think they're going to be two and out and they end up staying here for 30 years. So I don't know what my specific career path holds, but I know some values that I'd like to take off. The first is wherever I'm working, it needs to be conducive to my continued personal and professional growth. If I ever feel like I hit a point of personal stagnation and I'm not able to get out of it, I'll most likely leave the job. The second is I need to be simultaneously surrounded by mentors and have people that I can mentor as well. And the third is my job needs to have some meaning beyond myself. I think I found that with Goldman that I'm kind of one piece that's helping drive the sustainable transition. If I get disillusioned with that or I don't think that impact is as large as I initially perceived it to be, then I'll most likely leave for something else. To that end, you know, business school is always out there. Infrastructure private equity, where you're the ones actually supplying the capital for infrastructure projects instead of serving as the intermediary like Goldman does, that's out there. And there's also social entrepreneurship. There's environmental entrepreneurship and I'll kind of end this answer with one piece of advice or saying that Professor Amanda Gregg in the econ department gave me. She said, Dylan, right now, the opportunities that you have so far outweigh your responsibilities. 
and you should really enjoy that while yeah. it lasts. So I'm just, uh, I'm hoping to do that, keep the future open, keep as many opportunities as possible. Yeah, that's an amazing, I think that's a great mindset going into that. I think a lot of people get a little bit like bogged down on what they want to do. And I think that's a great way of looking at it. Um, and in your role, do you have any specific goals you want to achieve at Goldman? Yes, a few. So the first is if I do stay at Goldman long term, I might want to transition into the executive office because what I'm doing right now, it's, you know, helping projects or infrastructure find capital. There is a different division of Goldman called the executive office division that steers the strategy of Goldman Sachs itself. Within there, there's another sustainable finance group. So if I do ever have the opportunity to steer the sustainable strategy of Goldman Sachs, that's something that I would take. That's something that's a bit of a personal goal for myself. Uh, another goal is I don't want to get fired. That's kind of a... <laughs> that's a really great goal. <laughs> it is. It's kind of a check the box. Um, some other stuff that you'll hear other people in investment banking say, I want to make managing director by the time I'm 30, me and everyone else. Uh, I want to have a nice apartment in the financial district, et cetera, et cetera. But it's mostly that sustainable finance strategy thing. Okay, amazing. Um, and what are kind of some like advice you would give college students that were kind of like end of sophomore year, they want, maybe want an internship or maybe want to go full time? What are some advice or stuff you would tell them to do? Yeah, I'll go a little bit unconventional here. And I'll say, especially if you already have your internship wrapped up, don't discount the fact that you can invest in other things besides your professional career. Like in hindsight, I might have, might have, I definitely overinvested in, you know, recruiting for Goldman, making sure I was ready for the internship. And I let some social and life experiences go by the wayside. But those social and life experiences, they have just as much value because they helped you develop as a person. So I would say don't be overly myopic. It's fantastic to be fixated on a goal, but don't let it cloud your peripheral vision and all the other things you could invest in. If you're a sophomore, end of sophomore year, and you've already had a lot of fantastic life experiences and you're like, hey, I actually need to go find myself an internship or job. Number one piece of advice is talk to people. You would be astounded how willing other students, especially juniors and seniors, are to talk with you. Join the relevant clubs. I'll plug MCG, I'll plug SIC, yes. um, uh, Middlebury Woman in Wall Street, and Middlebury Diverse in Business are great business-focused clubs. You might have clubs in some other areas that you could share, but it's really understanding the Middlebury universe, who you can talk to, the clubs you can join, what alumni are out there, and then using those resources accordingly. Amazing. And what about like maybe some skills? What are some skills you think people should either kind of punch up in their like process of going into IB or learn? Yeah, I'll lean on the soft skills here. It's very important to be able to make lasting relationships with mentors. This is especially important at a place like Goldman where there's usually a few people that strongly take you under their wing, show you the lay of the land. So investing in relationship building, that's a major soft skill. Another is communication and under that umbrella, being able to conceptualize a viewpoint 
and then share it in a concise, understandable way and that you can convince another person that's unexpectedly valuable in investment banking because I sat in on meetings where we were trying to structure these deals and some of the managing directors or partners or vice presidents, they were debating which deal structure to use and they were all trying to communicate and convince one another. So I think the extent to which you can invest in communication, whether that be in an essay or oral in a presentation, that's one of the most important things you can do at Middlebury. Awesome. Amazing. Um, And what are kind of some specific, did you find any specific resources or strategies helpful in your pursuit for investment making? Absolutely. There are a few structured approaches that I took. The first is I had an Excel spreadsheet that tracked every conversation that I had with any networking contact. It was like 200 rows deep by the end of it. (laughs) And because of that, I could pull out specific personal details about people or Mm -hmm. speak to conversations that we had three or four months back, which in hindsight was probably unnerving to them, but (laughs) I digress. And I think it's also very, very important to be able to proactively find resources. So for example, for investment banking, there's a lot of interview guides out there that the Student Investment Committee offers. But you can also look online. And what I did is I made a random technical generator in Excel where I imported a list of 500 technical questions. And I essentially inserted a randomized function where anytime I change anything in the Excel sheet, a new question popped up. And that allowed me to kind of practice off the cuff. So doing small entrepreneurial things like that, they're a little bit outside of the box. That's especially helpful in a process like investment banking recruiting that's so structured, everyone's kind of doing the same thing and you need to find other ways that you can return value to yourself. Oh, great. Awesome. Um, and finally, just to wrap it up, um, do you think how do you think Middlebury as a whole has kind of set you up for where you're going in life? I think it has set me up very, very well. Like again, thinking back to who I was in my freshman year, the difference is who I was able to surround myself with, the mentors I was able to access. And I think at Middlebury, for better or worse, we do have a culture of working extremely hard. I certainly- Very hard. (laughs) Very hard. I certainly bought into that. But I think another thing is my friends also helped me achieve a little bit more balance in senior year and that's something that I think I'm going to look back on as maybe undergradedly important in my overall Middlebury career but I love this place one note I applied early decision one to Bowdoin College okay that would have been a mistake that would have been a mistake thankfully they didn't let me in I did early decision two to Middlebury and I strongly feel that this is where I was supposed to end up all along oh great Well, thank you so much um, for joining us, joining me today on That's So Middlebury. And um, are you okay if people reach out to you on LinkedIn or anything like that? Yeah, please do. Uh, My email is dylant at middlebury.edu. And I spelled Dylan the correct way, D-Y-L-A-N. If there's anyone else in Middlebury that spells her name a different way, I do not apologize. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay, beautiful. Well, have a great rest of your J-term and thanks so much for hopping on. Yeah, thanks for having me.